And that's what I try to tell younger women too. I say, you know, it takes time it does. to form as a human being. Like, don't be all cooked by the time you're 30. It's okay. It always takes longer for you to get where you need to go than you think it's going to. Hi, welcome back to The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. Last week, I talked to porn director Erica Lust about all the things that you would imagine I would talk to her about regarding feminism and porn. And this week, I've traveled to the Hamptons and I am with Padma Lakshmi at her house, sitting on a bed, eating watermelon, drinking a delicious pink tea that she made, talking about the joys of getting older and navigating raising kids through the lens of your own childhood trauma. First of all, I just need to say thank you for inviting me to your house and to <laughs> sit on your day bed. In, is this your bathroom? Because um, <laughs> I can see your bath. And- no, it's not my bathroom, but I, I love to take baths. And so a few years ago when I could, I took my bathtub in out of the bathroom and I put it in the bedroom. So in the city, my bathtub is also in my bedroom. Whatever works for you. I'm also yeah. really into big into baths. Yeah, so. I like to read in the bath. And sometimes I even, if I'm alone, I'll have dinner in there with that little table. I know it's weird. Oh but no, it's not weird. It's I just love comforting. that. Is that your bath tray where you can have your food? If I want to, or a book. Right. You know, or anything. What star sign are you? I'm a Virgo. Interesting. That's why you're very specific about your thing. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Actually, my birthday's coming up. I'll be 49. Wow. 49. On September 1st. How so just that over feel? a month away. Um, it doesn't feel like anything. Hmm. Just another year. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it doesn't feel like anything. Right. Because sometimes yeah. the birthdays mark moments of time that don't feel so great. Yeah. Well, it's been a good year. So I'm really happy to hear that. And I just want to say that um, this is the first time that I have done an interview like this, <laughs> where we are sitting barefoot um, on your sort of daybed thing. Yeah. In your house. Indian style. Yeah. Sitting opposite each other, holding. It's like we're having a gynecological. <laughs> we really are. I know. I have not had a wax. I have to tell you. <laughs> In fact, look what's happening here. I saw that. That's like the most major armpit hair. It's I didn't, okay. I didn't realize it was so... If you don't care so... and your husband doesn't no, care. No, he cares. Oh, he does He's care? He's upset about this right now. Oh, really? He said we, we had a school meeting the other day and he said that when I was putting my arms up in the air that my armpit hair was like pouring out of my t-shirt. It was not pouring out. Okay, it's not pouring just checking. Out <laughs> so congratulations, you just announced your new TV show. I did. That's I did. a that's a huge deal. Well, we're working on it right now and um it's really been a passion project of mine for gosh, I would say a couple of years. I've been wanting to do a show like this and um I'm anxious to get back out on the field, which, you know, on Top Chef I'm out on the field, but this is different. It's my thing and I can decide what to do. And, you know, obviously in consort with other people who are making the show with me, but um, it's nice. We're like a very small crew, you know, we wanted to be small. And so it's been fun to, to go to each city. We're going to 10 different cities 
and um, meeting with 10 different communities. Wow, fantastic. And uh, I'm really excited. Well, we, I was just trying to think of how many women have their own show on television. And so far, I've come up with Ellen, Rachel Maddow. Rachel Ray. Rachel Ray. Let's not forget the other Rachel. Samantha B. Yes. Samantha and B. even on streaming as well. There is actually... Well, Chelsea had one, but she's not but, on. But that's no, not anymore. Not anymore. So now, and then Lily Singh is starting up soon, which is I'm so, so exciting. Waiting for that. Show, oh my man. gosh! When when that news broke, I was I was literally screaming with joy for her. Um, and now you're going to have your own show. So it is no. What I'm saying is, it's no small thing that you are a woman who have their own show on air whether it's streaming or television in America, it's a very small percentage of people. I used to have a show. That's true. Yeah. Isn't this an extension of that show? It is an extension of that show. And in fact, this could be something that we would have done on the conversation TV show. Oh, really? Just <laughs> totally just sat there barefoot. Sits yeah, totally. <laughs> Ready to give birth. <laughs> yes, I know. Absolutely. Listen, if I start flashing you, it's just, okay. just let worry. me know. Just Don't let worry. me know. It's the most action I've had all day. Oh so. my God. All day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, I've been busy today. <laughs> okay, okay, got it, got it. Um, your partner it seems like a very nice man. He's a very nice man. He seems very sweet. He is. I, I was noticing how thoughtful and and uh, considerate he was. Because yeah. not, I mean, look, it's rare that you see someone who's that thoughtful and considerate. Yes, it's right? true. It's Especially true. Men don't tend. I don't see a lot of them that are that are attentive like that. I, I've. I've had another who was, but this one is particularly thoughtful and attentive. We've, you know, we've run the gamut, he and I. So um, we're, you know, we definitely should get the badge for most improved. Well, that's that's great though. At least you're going in a direction that is improved. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful because Krishna gets to have both her parents um, together and her family intact. And that is a luxury. It is today. It is. And I, um, a lot of, a lot of friends, I know their kids don't have that experience. And I think if there's any way to make that work, it's worth trying it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have that experience and I think it colored me. And I have to say, you know, as far as Adam's concerned, like as someone who didn't grow up with a father, I never knew that a father could be so good and fun and reliable and strong and there and enthusiastic. So I'm very thankful for that. It's not something I take lightly. And it doesn't sound like that's something that you chose by mistake. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. No, it wasn't by mistake. It was definitely... Well, it was an effort. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to speak in 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 general terms because, like I say, Adam and I are a very special case. Right. But like if you grew up without a father Mm -hmm. and I grew up with largely an absent father, Mm -hmm. it definitely shaped the type of men that I was attracted to. And for many years, I was attracted to extremely absent, dysfunctional, unavailable men because that was what I was used to with my father. And that felt like love, right? That was, that felt, I had a connection to that type of person. And so not all of us get to the point where we choose differently is my point, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So do you think growing up without your father 
influence the well, kind my, of relationships that you chose? I, I, I think so in the kinds of men that I chose. I was definitely looking for that relationship. But I think, yes, I have gotten much better, you know, as time has gone on. No, you know, no disrespect to all the men I've been with. But I definitely think that, yes, um, you start to be wise, especially when you have a child, you know? Yeah, it's a whole different setup. Okay, so you grew up with your grandparents largely, right? Your mom your mom moved to the U.S.? Yes, my mom came to the States when I was two years old because she divorced my father. And I stayed back with my grandparents, but I joined her when I was four. But every summer I went back to South India, to Chennai. And there are some grades that I did, like third grade and fourth grade in India. Um, wow. Was it? And then how was that for you to do two different schooling systems? Um, it was okay. I mean, I had come from a Catholic school in New York and I was going to another private Catholic school in India. So it wasn't, I mean, it was much more rigorous in India than really. Yes, of course. Wow. Compared to the American elementary school system. It's probably more of an English education, right? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. I would say, I don't know. It was a Jesuit school. So it's a very, it's more Catholic Jesuit education than anything. But so you grew up here from age four. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating because you've been here since age four, but you have definitely kept your heritage. Yeah, because I went home every summer for three months. Three out of 12 months, I was in India with my cousins and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles. And, um, you know, I speak the language. Okay. So growing up between America and India, I was reading a lot of different stuff about you which was great and interesting. And I don't do a lot of research on people normally because I just like to have my own experience of them. Um, But I was reading about how your mom, you're away from her for two years. How do you think that impacted you? I think it impacted me severely. I mean, it was in the best of possible circumstances in my case because I was left with my family who loved me and my grandparents. And it was easier for her to build a life for us in um, New York if she didn't also have to worry about childcare, you know, very simply put. And so it wasn't like some of the child separation we're seeing now, obviously. But even that scenario, I think, affected me deeply. I didn't see either of my parents from the age of two to four. And, you know, I think that separation, you're always feeling a little abandoned. You don't know. You're too young to really process that this is the best for everybody, even though you want to understand it. But at two, you really can't understand it. No, and it just creates an imprint. Totally. And that imprint never goes away, or it takes a really long time for it to go away. And, you know, that's why I, I mean, I don't think anyone can see what's going on in, you know, the American South and the border. And, not feel heartsick about it. But, you know, for me, it was such a personal issue because I knew what that did. You know, you always feel kind of alone. Well, you, you actually are in the sense that you're not with the people who created you. And even if you have other caregivers who love you, who are your family, that's your primary caregivers are not with you. Yeah. And I, I know that imprint because I have a similar imprint. Oh, really? And it is, it is 
like you said, it never really goes away. You just learn to live with it. And then the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that I've healed. I've done so much work to heal the trauma and the abandonment issue. It just dictated everything in my life. Every choice I made was behind trauma and abandonment until one day I realized that a situation happened and that I didn't have the same emotional response. And I, it was like a miracle. I thought that day would never come. I was like, oh my God. See, I I think it fueled me to just work as hard as I can to create a safe home for myself. Mm. I think that was a really big thing. Like there's no way I'm going to let anybody choose my destiny or may have to make decisions from a place of weakness. I wanted to um, work hard so that I could buffer myself in a way from that as an adult like trying to just make sure the scenarios that I was put into that I didn't have control over, now that I did have control, I was not going to repeat the same mistakes. I understand that and I relate to that. I started working when I was 15 and I had my first child when I was 19 and I got married at 17 to create my own life and to raise my child in a different family than... I in the way I had been raised. So I, I under, and to never have to ask anyone for money. Yeah, that feels really good, I have to say. Doesn't it feel great? Yeah, no, I I mean that's why I wanted to be independent. I didn't want to be um dependent on anyone. I wanted to make my own decisions. I wanted the freedom to do and go wherever I wanted. I mean, after my divorce, I was I was really hell bent on just getting a nice apartment and being safe and like having my own comfort um, and surroundings be mine. Mm-hmm. And I'll never go back. Uh, you know, I think marriage to me is a little, it's um, outdated, I think, for me. Well, I think it is. And if you think about the origins of marriage, it was to support a religious system right. that is no longer applicable to everybody who chooses to be married. Yeah. And so I think, there is an update that's needed and it's up to individuals to create their own update. So to that point, you choose to live separately from your partner. Mm-hmm. Is that, what? where does that come from? I like how things are. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm 48 years old. I'm set in my ways. I like my house. I don't want to move out of it. I don't want to move anyone in it. Um, this is fine. <laughs> this is great it works for you. Yeah. And you know, he's a three minute walk also because he moved obviously to be close to Krishna. And, you know, we've never lived together. We've never had that experience. And so Krishna doesn't have the trauma of a home being broken and having to shuttle between the homes because she's used to doing that. And actually having every other weekend without your child so that you can rejuvenate or read or I don't know, go out late or not. Whatever you want to do. Stay in bed and read. Whatever. Some time for yourself. Yeah, just some quiet time for you to regroup. And and then they have that too. It works for us. And I don't even want to talk about it that much to be honest, because I don't want to jinx it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. But I, I do the last thing I'm gonna say about it is that I have a lot of respect for you both choosing a system and a setup that works for your family. And I wish more people felt confident enough to try 
different scenarios mm-hmm. that honored their own individual needs. Well, I think also because, you know, for us, we're concerned with Krishna's well-being and the same most important thing in each of our lives drives us. And that's one thing, that's this child. Um, and then independent of that, we're companions and, you know, we lean on each other and we're romantically involved now. But I mean, we see those things as separate, and it, you know, I mean, obviously they're involved, you know, it's very complicated. Yeah, but, but when you cohabit and you're both co-parenting day in, day out, actually the partnership, the sexuality and the intimacy that is present in a, that kind of a relationship, actually there isn't time for it because you're both co-parenting all the time, day after day together. Yeah. I don't have this American thing where I need to be my partner's best friend and know yeah. everything and and leave the bathroom door open. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, just yeah, not yeah. me. Yeah. I like, I'm a loner fundamentally. Um, and I've always liked my space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's healthy for me, you know. And you know that. And so you're honoring that. Yeah. So something else I was reading was that you had an experience as a child where your uncle, um, a relative, a relative, of, yeah, a relative of, yeah, my uncle, the stepfather. Yeah. Okay. Step uncle, whatever, yeah. whatever he was, an whoever the hell, man who doesn't was, matter. An adult yeah. man, you were a child and he, he sexually assaulted you. Yeah. In and, my sleep. And in your sleep. And I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah, it's a bummer. I am and it sorry. It happens to so many of us. I know it does. You know, and then... I almost said me too. Yeah. But yes, yeah. me too. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really, it's an epidemic. As Tarana says, it's a pandemic. And I felt so sad that the response was to take you out of the home and to send you to India. Mm-hmm. And I wondered about that message. I think, you know, again, it was a, a case of my mother trying to get me out of the situation quickly and then deal with the fact that, you know, there was this person in the family. But I did, again, I was seven. So you don't process things. All you know is this yucky thing happened to you. You tell your mom, you get in trouble for telling your mom and you get sent you know what I mean? I of think course. I'm I'm sure that she didn't mean it in any way like No, she thought me. she was doing the best thing for you to get right. you out of the situation. Yeah, but it just triggered what happened when I was two also. Mm. You know, it's never the one hurt. It's always like a succession of them. And it, you know, I think one of the reasons that I've become so incensed with the way things are for women in general is because if I look at every difficulty that I've had, it's been because I've been a girl or a woman or I was affected by something that happened to another woman, my mother. Right. The generational trauma that gets passed on and the situations that they're in I mean, I had things, affect us. Yeah. I mean, I had things that were shitty that happened to me, like my car accident, but I mean, and that had nothing to do sure, with being female. But if I think about the things that, you know, 
emotionally happened. They only happened because of my, my gender. Yeah. I really think that's true. You know, certainly the two instances of sexual assault. It took me a long time to get over all that. And I think it takes, it takes a long time to, to get over something that serious and destabilizing and scary and, um, for, for anybody. And so now that I'm the age I am, I have, you know, like you were saying one day I just felt okay. Or, you know, I just felt like I wasn't having the same reaction for me actually speaking out about it was good. Mm. It was difficult in the moment, but it was good because that really helped me take my power back. Yeah, it's um, it is reclaiming a narrative that was written for you, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I know for me because of my own experience with being a child and being sexually assaulted at similar ages to you as well. Actually, um, I know that that impacted my parenting greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I my kids say to me, "You're so overprotective." I'm like, "Well, I am actually." And my kids know about my sexual assault. And they say to me, just because you were sexually assaulted doesn't mean we're going to be. And I say, that's true. However, the statistics show that one in three girls and one in five boys will be sexually assaulted. Yeah, and And you're just going to, you want to minimize the 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 likelihood of it happening. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not going to send Krishna to summer camp. Right. You know, I just, I told her if she wants to, sleep out away from home, she should get into college. Well, (laughs) and by the way, by the way, I'm the parent that sends that before my kid can go to a sleepover, I want to know, okay, your, your, my kids come into your house. Are there any other people in the house? Are there any other siblings? Who's the babysitter? Is the dad home? Are they unsupervised on the internet? I want to know all this stuff. And if I don't know the family and I don't know answers to that, those questions, my kid is not going. I don't care. And I wonder how your own childhood trauma has impacted your parenting. She doesn't do sleepovers, you know? I mean, she can have people sleep over. And if their parents want, they can also come so that they feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and stay in the guest room or whatever. But she's not allowed to go to other people's house to sleep or summer camp. And, you know, when I sent Krishna to um, preschool, I in a very age appropriate way, I told her, if anyone touches you, you say no and you go and you tell someone that you trust. And I don't care if it's the school teacher, the principal, the nurse, your body is your own and you have a right to decide who gets to touch it and when. And if anyone touches your privates or makes you touch their privates or anyone kisses you or anything that happens where there's physical contact with someone else and you don't feel comfortable, it doesn't matter whether you were right or not. You have to say, get off me. Go, you know, just go right away. How old was she when you told her that? Four. Yeah. So, and at the time, a lot of people were like, you know, they're like, oh, you don't want to put that fear in your child. I said, no, I don't. But I want to prepare my child. That's my job as a parent, you know, to give them the tools to survive and, and flourish. And, and, you know, the reason that it happens so much is because of the element of surprise. And that being the unprepared. Yes. You and don't know what to say. Yeah, You're it's so shocking. shocked. Yeah. And so I wanted her to have a game plan in her pocket. 
What do you really, really want people to know that people don't know about you? I feel like there's a lot that people know about you. I think people know a lot about me, sadly. I'm not sadly, but yes, it's, you know, it's hard. I've been around for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. You've got an amazing story. You've lived. You've got so many different perspectives to share with people, which are really invaluable, I have to say, because you. you... there are success stories, right? Thank you. I will talk about this one thing, which is a big issue for me. You know, when I was growing up or when I was coming along in the 90s or whatever, you know, developing as a woman, both professionally and otherwise, I didn't really have any mentors and I never made a big deal about it because people say, oh, everyone should have a mentor. And I'm like, okay, whatevs, you know. I mean, I did have a couple of mentors, but they didn't, you know, they didn't, they weren't like, they weren't a woman, first of all, they, they were male and they, you know, anyway. So I just thought now that I can, and now that I'm settled in my career and everything, I'm going to change that for the younger generation of women in their twenties and who are just starting out. And I'm very happy to say that some of the most rewarding part of my life is talking to these three or four women that I mentor and one is a writer and, and one is a TV host and candy maker. And another one is, um, so she's a TV host and candy maker. Yeah. Amazing. And, um, another one is just starting to dance on Broadway wow. this fall. And another one is a business owner in Malibu. She, she's great. You how know? do you, how do you find your mentors or how do they find you, your mentees? Well, Brittany, who's in LA, she does this thing called Malibu Milk. And um, she found me when I was pregnant shopping for maternity clothes at Bergdorf's with my mother. And she was with her mother. And she said, you know, I could hear somebody whispering sort of in the corner. And then, you know, I could hear her mother said, go on, go on. I'm sure she won't mind. And I was with my mom and I was very pregnant. And she said, hi, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. And I just graduated from college. And, you know, I want to do everything. That I just want to have the career you have. And, you know, I'm taking hosting classes in LA. And I was like, well, quit those immediately. Immediately. Yeah. You're taking your money. In my yeah. life. And she said, I have a blog, a food blog. And, you know, I'm a food critic. And I said, how old are you? She said, I'm 21. I said, what are you criticizing. I said, what do you know? Um, she is such a smart woman who's a real go-getter. And she, she said, would you mind if I just took your email? Do you mind if I just like from time to time, ask you a question or something? So it was all her doing. And I said, it, see, that just shows. It, it really does pay to ask. And yeah. And I said, okay. My mom was like, oh, come on, Patty, you can help her. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and I've stayed in touch with her now for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my other young woman also, it's been like five years. She was working in a marketing department of a magazine. She wanted to quit and she just, you know, wanted to write. They wouldn't let her write. They just made her do events. And then now she's writing and she writes for Bon Appetit and the New York Times. And she published her second cookbook, which I did the foreword for. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Um, And I'm so proud of her, you know. Being of service and being able to share your life experience and and the lessons that you've learned and the things that you've been through and your perspective, it's so invaluable and it means so much. For, for you, it's probably just like, well, that's just my experience, right? But for someone that doesn't have any of that, 
it's such a gift. It can be a oh, game changer yeah. I for mean, people. it would have been a game changer for me. Yes. Oh my had gosh, I, I know. Known somebody, you know, had I known somebody in the television business or the film business. I know. When I was, my mom is a nurse. My stepdad's a plumber. Like, there's no way, you know. When and I got I a job hosting television, I had just gotten out of juvie. I just needed a job. Okay, how did you get into food though? How did you get into food television? Or food, have you always been interested in food? Yeah, I was always hanging out in the kitchen with my grandmother and my aunts or my mom here and I was a latchkey kid. So I always helped her in the kitchen and or I cooked dinner for her when I got, you know, sort of in fifth grade and sixth grade. But um, I had written a cookbook after my first movie, which was this like body-saving costume drama for Italian television, like this miniseries. And um, I don't know, I had written a, they wanted me to gain weight for that. And then I lost the weight because I was still making most of my living as a model. And um, I just wrote like all these recipes down that I just cooked. I didn't even write them down first, but I took all the fat out and a book came out of that. And then when the book came out, I went on book tour and I went on these shows on the Food Network as a guest doing food demonstrations. And um, I was on the Food Network, a show, I don't even remember the show, maybe it was called Taste, I don't know. But um, they asked me to come back like right away, three weeks later to be a guest again. And then after that time, they asked me to come back again. And my manager was like, I think you're going to have to pay her. For yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they offered me a development deal. Um, I did my first food show on the Food Network, um, which was called The Melting Pot. It was Padma's Passport. Oh. Um, and after that, I did some documentaries called Planet Food. Um, which, you know, this new show is closer to because mm-hmm. it's it's in the field and, and you're traveling to a different city and meeting different people every day. Um, but, you know, the difference is this show that I'm doing with Hulu is is an editorialized show. It's not a journalistic show. You know, you're going to get a lot of my ranting and raving in the air along with a spoonful of foie gras, but it's probably not going to be foie gras. Yeah, you can't put that. It's not politically correct. I don't like foie gras anyway. So, I mean, I'll eat it on Top Chef if I have to, but I would never order. Somebody gave me a lobe of foie gras, actually, and I was like, I wanted to give it away. You've had so many lives. I have. I have had many yeah, lives. Yeah, you really yeah. have. I, I think I really value that. Now I do, yeah. yeah. You know, and there was never like this overarching game plan, but now I see that all the things I'm doing now are so logical to how, you know, I was as a child. I always mm-hmm. loved food. I always loved, you know, talking to people and performing and um, all those things. I loved writing, you know. It all and kind I, of makes sense. Yeah, and I think for me, I was I think of myself as a writer first. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. And in fact, before I was doing Top Chef, between Planet Food and Top Chef, I was still doing the odd acting job, but really I was also writing a lot. I was writing for the New York Times Syndicate. I was uh, had a style column in Harper's Bazaar. I'd written a couple of pieces for Anna at, at Vogue, and I you know, was sort of piecing this li- living together um, between, you know, modeling and auditioning and getting the part once in a while and writing 
and I had to do all of it. So yeah, because you know, neither one of those, <laughs> none of the yeah. on their own was going to yeah. support me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I try to tell younger women too. I say, you know, it takes time it does. to form as a human being. Like, don't be all cooked by the time you're 30. It's okay. It always takes longer for you to get where you need to go than you think it's going to. And the life experience along the way is what helps you to get there. You know, you cannot, you can't fast forward that. That's part of the process. It's, um, it's like all of it goes into the melting pot, you know, and, and it's time that is the glue that binds it all together. Yeah. Well, the soup is you, right? I mean, right. I, I get asked once in a while in these kinds of interviews, like if there's anything I would change, go back and change. And I would I, never ask you that. And I thank you. Because, and because I, there is probably nothing because it's all gone to shape you into who you are Yeah, today. I mean, yeah. I, I don't regret anything and I'm sorry some painful shit happened to me, but, you know, that also made me stronger, you know. Well, it gives you a perspective. It's, it gives you empathy and compassion. And and also going through shit makes you know that you can get through shit. You 100%. Know what I mean? Yeah. And if you, I always feel like my life experiences that have been, you know, the things that didn't break me that made me stronger have given me a perspective that allow me to make things for other people who have also gone through that. Mm-hmm. Because it's only through living some, through something that you can really have the, that level of empathy with someone who's also going through it. Yeah. Those, those injuries inform phenomenal creativity and opportunity for service. So I look at those events in my life as actual gifts at this point because I've used them for creativity and to be of service as often as I can. Mm-hmm. So I also feel like I don't regret any of it. It's gone to shape me and give me so much. Yeah. You know, yeah, getting older is definitely something that I'm valuing just because of the perspective that comes with it. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't go back to my 20s if you paid me all the gold in the world. Hell no. No. I know. I wouldn't mind having the thighs I had. Oh, I know. The butt. (laughs) But other than that, I'm fine where I am. I'm, I'm more at peace and happier and successful than I've ever been in my life. And, and, I'm very fortunate. I wouldn't change a thing, honestly. Well, I'm excited. Except my thighs. Except your thighs, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see what this next phase is for you with your career, especially. And congratulations on your Emmy nomination. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that's you. a big deal. The thing is, I'll be filming so much between now and then that I don't know when I'm going to fit my ass into a dress, let alone have <laughs> fittings or anything, whatever. You'll show up however the hell you show up. Imagine if I just showed up in like heels. And yes, you would be jeans. flawless. Thanks for sharing watermelon with me. My thanks pleasure. for making me some beautiful tea. The sorrel tea. And thanks for sitting and having this conversation with me on your day bed in your bed bathroom <laughs> in the Hamptons. Yes. Thank you. My pleasure. The Conversation with Amanda Decadney is a Spotify original podcast, executive produced by me, Amanda Decadney. From Spotify, our executive producers are Natalie Tuller and Erica Clark. Our production partner is Neon Hum, which includes the team of Jonathan Herr, Catherine St. Louis, Courtney Kosak, and Marissa Schneiderman. And while I've got your attention, please listen to all episodes of The Conversation with Amanda Decadney on Spotify for free. 